Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. One of the things that you will determine with your vote today on Election Day here in Ontario is uh, how your city is going to be built and how it's going to continue to be built in the future. And uh, although there are different issues in different communities, we talked about LRT, obviously, here in Hamilton, and and uh, development uh, in the downtown core Burlington is two of the key issues. There are some commonalities uh, that you can look at right across the board that uh, you as a voter should be concerned about and should weigh, I think, heavily when you decide who's going to get the X uh, in, on your ballot. Uh, and to talk about uh, some of those common issues and, and how they're going to impact different communities, uh, pleased to welcome back to the program Barry Kay, political science professor at Wilfrid Laurier University. Barry, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Good morning, Bill. Listen, now we're at Election Day. At, at what point do voters start to clue into what's important to them during a municipal election? Well, I'm afraid some never do. Uh, <laughs> Turnout in uh, in municipal elections is uh, is much lower than it's not terrific federally and provincially, but at least people have the party as a cue. Uh, municipally, it's much more challenging for people to kind of connect between issues. It's not that they don't have real concerns, but they don't necessarily know how to express those concerns in favoring uh, one particular candidate over another. Uh, I would like to think that they're probably the last week or so. There's probably been a little more attention in the local press, and those that want to um, want to get involved. We'll do so, but um, typically uh, we're seeing turnout in the range of maybe under one and three. So to think that there's widespread attention and widespread commitment, at least in most elections, uh, I'm afraid that's uh, that's just not the case. This, the story I always heard, for 10 years I was on Municipal Council, and, and even now on this program for the number of years I've been doing this, it, it seems to me as if the number one thing you hear at the door if you're campaigning is taxation. You know, what are you going to do to lower my taxes? Uh, which is obviously, I guess, the clarion call for everybody, you know, because nobody thinks they pay uh, a, a proper amount of tax. It's always way too high. But that is the challenge for just about every local council, isn't it, Barry, to try to do the things you need to do and at the same time keep the cost down? Uh, tax, taxes are chronic. Um, it's been true as long as I've had any political awareness. I'm sure it's been true for forever. People always think they're paying more. There are other issues, and that's certainly something. Your, your introduction was the commonality of the different uh, the different municipalities around the province and how they're affected. That's something everybody's going to be talking about. Uh, still, uh, being able to for voters to connect the, the the goal of lower taxes, at least for them, with reality is is is, is challenging. Though, look, there are connect commonalities beyond that, though. And we're seeing certainly in urban southern Ontario, and that would include the GTA, Hamilton, the Kitchener-Waterloo area where I am, uh, there are increasing problems that are, are becoming more and more chronic and that we're hearing more and more. One is clearly transportation, uh, getting around in your automobile, and the, 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 the kind of tension there is between public transit, such as the LRT in Hamilton, um, and, and automobile transportation, and whether that, how much cities, with the assistance sometimes of the provincial government, uh, how much cities are prepared to, to go in to subsidize public transit so that people will be less dependent upon driving their cars, because driving their cars into the middle of town creates other kinds of issues as well. So that's one kind of issue. It's also, I guess, related that that's, in a sense, kind of infrastructure as well. But housing, housing is it. The cost of housing, again, I'm originally from Toronto, although I live in KW now, but uh, the, the cost of housing anywhere around, it's not just Toronto or Hamilton, it's, it's throughout this whole area are, are spreading, um, particularly for people the lower end economically. So that's got implications for public housing or social housing, as it's sometimes known. And, and how the different uh, councillors, the different candidates are prepared to 
uh, trade off those, those choices. Making public policy is really a matter of making choices. Ideally, everybody would have all the services they need and they wouldn't have to pay taxes for it, but that's just not reality. So the, what the council is there to do is basically make choices, whether they're going to favor this particular interest or that, whether they're going to put housing or make housing more affordable here rather than there. It's horrendous in Toronto, but frankly, it's not much better in Hamilton now or, or in, in Kitchener-Waterloo, and I suspect in most other, other communities either, uh, as people more and more just cannot afford to live, even if they're working in the GTA, can't afford to live there and are moving further away into Milton and Guelph and so forth and all the other surrounding communities, Oakville, Burlington areas closer to you, Brantford. Um, that, that, that this is a problem that isn't going away. In fact, it's getting worse. So that's certainly the kind of thing people are going to ask their councillors about. But at the municipal level, we do not have a, the party kind of system where there's kind of a, a group responsibility. It's not that at the federal and provincial level, um, the government always gets problems solved anyways. They're, frequently, they don't. But there is a sense of collective responsibility, and that's something that parties provide. Municipally, uh, you're voting for one alderman or one councillor, whatever they're to be called, or on a mayor in your particular municipality, and you're hoping that they will be able to interact with the others sufficiently to be able to at least ameliorate, if not solve, the, the particular problems that are involved. But look, housing and um, and transit are, are 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 enormous problems, and the bigger the city, the worse it is. So Hamilton's not quite as bad as Toronto, but Hamilton's, I'm sure, worse than a lot of the other places that we're talking about as well. And those two topics are very tight, tightly tied together, too, aren't they? I mean, as as housing becomes less affordable, people have to move further and further away from the city center, which means that transportation becomes that much more important to them. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, building expressways tends to have impact on budgets, but also on neighborhoods, sometimes encroaching on them, and where are the cars going to get parked if you're going that way, or whether more and more money is going to go into, um, in, into public, uh, public transit buses and LRT. Um, and among the trade-off issues are, are whether parking is going to be available and how expensive parking is going to be. There are ways that cities can try to discourage people from driving by raising the cost of um, of, uh, of not so much transit, but raising the cost of parking. Uh, but that discourages people as well. And again, it's a matter of which groups are you going to favor at the expense of which other groups. Look, something else, it's, it's an issue, I don't know if it's as big a deal in Hamilton as it is um, around here, but bicycles. People, oh, sure. People want bicycle lanes now because that's an alternative if the city isn't, isn't too big for, for getting around. And that too encroaches upon cars. So something that uh, seven, eight years ago we wouldn't have even thought of as a particular organized interest group, but whether or not there should be dedicated bicycle lanes and the impact that that's going to have on traffic. That's, that's a brand new one that's just being added into the mix of tensions of the among, among different interest groups. Oh, it's, it's been very polarizing and very controversial here uh, because, I, I, I mean, I hear constantly from people say, look at the car, they, the streets were made for cars, not for bikes. And if, no, they're for transportation, but some people can't seem to get their head around that, and especially in some of the, the main centers here, the, some of the main streets, Main Street, King Street, places like that. And I, uh, it's, it's really become a problem in, in this community. rather. Listen, i got to ask you about something else because obviously you know that there's a, a great deal of tension here about the LRT, even though the past council, quote-unquote, approved it. Uh, the fact that Doug Ford says you can do whatever you want with the money if you don't want to build LRT, that's really kind of fueled the debate here again. And and we're all looking up in your community right now, Barry, to KW, uh, both the pro and the con side. Basically, they can find supporters up there to say, see how great LRT is, look what's going in KW. And, the, and even the con side are saying, see how it's ruined the downtown? It's, nobody can get around anymore. Everybody's complaining. Is, is there still a debate going on there? I know, you know, the, ro- the project is continuing right now. But but I don't get any sense at all, especially up in KW, that the issue's been resolved and everybody's just dealing with it now. Well, the commitment's been made. I mean, yeah. for, for better or worse in the minds of many, we're stuck with it. 
Um, you know, and uh, actually another example is really what's, how Toronto is being transformed by yeah. the, the equivalent of LRT uh, in, in different parts of that city. Uh, but you're, you're right. There are people that are happy with it, people that are perhaps less dependent upon autos. Just, uh, you know, because the, the notion of autos versus public transit, again, has been a, a chronic debate for many, many years. That's not new. Um, the existence of LRT means that, in fact, that a lot of roadways are being narrowed. That in fact, um, that, and you've got these sort of in much much of the city of Kitchener, you've got dedicated lanes uh, for the transit. In other places, it sort of goes over roadways. Um, it's not even fully in place yet, but the discomfort and the um, the, the challenges of of the the construction of, are certainly with us. So there's plenty of people that are unhappy with it, even though it's here. And the, you know, the debate of uh, are we are not are we going to or are we not that one's over. Um, but there's still people on both sides of the issue. I think it does facilitate. Um, getting to work for people that are not don't want to be dependent on their automobiles. So there's people that are happy, but there's plenty of people that are unhappy. It just happens. Kitchener-Waterloo isn't quite as big a city. And indeed, it, uh, for many people, it probably is making it more difficult to, um, to get to work, just as it, for some people, it's making it easier to get, to get to work. And I say that because it's not even in place yet, and it's still difficult for people getting to work because of the fact that, um, uh, that the, the roadways are being challenged. But throughout Toronto, when I'm in Toronto, um, there are streets like Eglinton and further north. It's because it's coming to Finch and so forth. Uh, there are streets that I just avoid. Um, I, I never go. Now, St. Clair is the one street because that had the streetcar lanes from the old days. Um, and his, is really the first big, big artery to have, have a, you know, an LRT type of system in place. I just avoid uh, St. Clair Avenue like the plague. And in Toronto, where there are going to be a number of streets like that, uh, that in fact, I think you're going to see people's behavior changing in terms of where they go. I will not go to restaurants typically or not shop on St. Clair, and I'm afraid that that's going to extend to some of these other streets. Now, Hamilton and Kitchener-Waterloo, it's not as big a deal, but it's, it's, it's un- undoubtedly going to change people's atti- uh, attitudes and behavior, and there are going to, even when it's in place, uh, assuming that that goes through, that indeed there are going to be people that are happy with it and other people that aren't happy with it. Do voters generally understand that the, 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 where the lines are drawn about responsibility? Because uh, the province plays a big role in how municipalities are run, and we've talked about some of these issues like housing, uh, transportation, well, light rail transit, I guess, if that's going to be thrown in, in in any particular community. And and the province should be and has to play a part in that. Uh, but I don't know necessarily, Barry, that voters care one way or another. And I mean, if you're knocking on the door, it's your job to fix it. It doesn't matter where, you know, who signs the check or who, or who develops the plan. Not having a party system, it means that candidates can make all sorts of promises about what they would like to do, and they may genuinely believe that. But actually facilitating these compromises into public policy becomes much more challenging because there is not that sense of group responsibility that if you vote liberal or conservative or NDP, that they collectively will get their act together and try to fulfill the promise, at least at those levels of government if they have a majority. In city council, it's very much one one neighborhood versus another, one ward versus another in terms of the of the challenges. And many candidates for office can legitimately say, even if they ran last time on a promise to do this or that, saying they wanted to do it, but they, were, they had to deal with these people from another part of town who had very different views. And unfortunately, the, the, the ability to kind of avoid any kind of group responsibility becomes a built-in excuse, and it, it's real. It's real. The fact is that city councillors don't always agree with each other. I'm less familiar with the specifics of, of Hamilton, but my guess is there's kind of a left versus right faction, the left probably wanting to see more more money go into um, programs that are going to help particularly disadvantaged neighborhoods and perhaps to to assist people that are less dependent on the car. The right typically, at least uh, being more likely to be favored in suburban areas, especially true in Toronto, but bits of it in in KW as well, who are uh, probably have constituencies where they are more dependent upon the voters, uh, the votes of 
automobile owners who want to be able to drive their automobile unencumbered by these other changes. And I'm afraid that's just part of municipal life in many provinces, and many, excuse me, many municipalities across the province. We were talking earlier in the hour, and I wanted to get your read on this too. And this is the the winds of change metaphor that we hear constantly during elections. Uh, but there's there's a, a track record here. Obviously, if you want to go back four years, the last federal election was a change election. We changed governments. We certainly did in Ontario back in the springtime with a change of government. And we've seen sporadically, even across the country. I mean, for instance, BC had their elections last week. Uh, and there's a new mayor in Vancouver. I mean, and we've seen this in other municipalities at the same time. Why is this propensity right now to simply say, not throw the bums out, but just to say, you know what, we got to hit reset? And, and I, I get the sense of more and more voters are starting to feel that way. Well, the, the concepts of this isn't unique to, to municipal politics, but the idea of reform and change. Um, are what's referred to as substitute generics. People can put anything into the word change that they want. It can mean a move to the right, a move to the left, higher taxes, lower taxes. It can mean whatever you want. So it's natural for politicians to rely on those terms because they frankly can mean all things to all people. And that's the goal of a politician, to be all things to all people. The challenge is at some point when you overuse it, you become nothing to anybody. But, so that's the, what, so the, the idea of change and the idea of reform are certainly uh, slogans that, uh, that politicians are, uh, are, are very quick to, uh, to think about. There's something interesting. I'm not sure that it's, it's of such keen interest in, um, in Hamilton. But there are a few municipalities in, in Ontario that are now up, up toying and experimenting with the idea of electoral change. Mm-hmm. Uh, London, in fact, is moving to the ranked ballot or the preferential ballot, the idea of putting one, two, three, four, which means that instead of having more votes than anyone else when you run in your particular ward or municipality, rather, in fact, there's going to be a, in a second and third choice voting will come in for as candidates are eliminated with fewer votes. And it means somebody will, in fact, get a majority. To me, that suggests that there's probably more legitimacy, at least, for candidates to get elected. There were some wards in Toronto, not certainly not everyone, but I can think of a few wards in Toronto last time where candidates were elected because there were a lot of candidates running with, this, with less than 20% of the vote. What uh, London has actually you know, introduced that system. Uh, Cambridge, and I think there's one or two other, King Kingston is one of the other places that have put it on the ballot. And it's a way that I'm, I'm not sure that the world is going to be that much more efficient in London or other places. But if people truly want to experiment with change and reform, that's something that at least a few municipalities in Ontario are toying with. And I think people will look to London, and if it goes through in Cambridge and perhaps in Kingston as well, to see what impact that has and whether or not it means that politicians will be more likely to um, be uh, conciliatory and much more likely to moderate their views. Because what it does when you don't just depend upon your own political base, but to get elected you have to get the second and third choice of some of the opponents. It probably tends to moderate candidates' positions, and they aren't going to be quite as far left or far right or far, as much ideologically committed. I'm not sure how it's going to play. Um, it's something that's fairly new with regard to anywhere in Canada. But when we talk about change, that's certainly one kind of change that's out there. B.C., British Columbia, is also experimenting with at least that as an option as one of the... Um, because they're about to have a referendum on electoral reform there. But the notion of reform and change and many of the issues we've been talking about the last few minutes are chronic. They're, they're there. The, uh, I think housing is a bigger deal now than it used to be in terms of people being unhappy as the costs have gotten so expensive. Uh, the, the gridlock, uh, particularly in the GTA, but I'm sure in the Hamilton area as well, is just getting worse and worse. And that, indeed, um, this is causing people to have more expectations of their politicians, ultimately, which I'm afraid is going to lead to disappointment, because that's inevitably what goes on. And this notion of reform and change is kind of just an ongoing circle where you throw one group to replace them with another. 
Uh, certainly in, in Toronto, the likelihood of a change in the mayor isn't very great, even I think there's some 34, uh, 34 candidates running for mayor of Toronto. But uh, John Tory looks like he's, um, he's very likely to be returned. But this notion of being unhappy with the ins and throwing them out, which will happen eventually to all politicians, is, is just part of the uh, circle of life for political considerations, I'm afraid, in Ontario. We've got two minutes left here. I want, just on the idea of voting, and you mentioned the rank balloting, and that's going to be interesting. Uh, other communities are starting to experiment with how we vote uh, and using online voting, in some cases even telephone voting. I know Burlington is doing that with online voting, and uh, talking to some friends up in the Blue Mountain uh, Thornbury area, they have developed online voting right now. Would that increase voter turnout is to, to make it more convenient uh, so people don't have to get off their duffs and actually go to a polling station? Logically, it would seem that it would, that it would make people more likely to vote. There's something else that's done in a couple of states in the U.S., in Oregon and Washington, I think Colorado, too, where they have um, mail-in ballots, where everybody gets sent a ballot, they can mail it in, that's how they, they do the counting there. Um, at one time, I thought uh, online voting was inevitable and that was something that was going to come sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, the, the hacking that's gone on in American elections, as we've seen on, the, on behalf of the Russians, it seems, has, has tended to take the edge off of that. And I'm not sure, the trouble, I'm not sure that people are going to, the Russians are going to be particularly concerned with who the mayor of Collingwood is. But the, uh, nonetheless, that I think that that's put a break on that kind of issue. And until there is an ability to be able to monitor that and to eliminate it, um, my hunch is that the the immediacy of online voting, which I, a few years ago I would have thought was coming very very soon, I think that that perhaps is going to be put on hold. It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me say also though that making people who already aren't all that interested in municipal politics making it easier for them to vote isn't necessarily going to lead to a a more informed, responsible electorate. And I'm not sure that the problems we've been talking about the last few minutes are going to be resolved any more effectively with online voting than they have been in the past. Barry Kay at uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. Barry, thanks as always. Always great to get your perspective. You bet. Bye-bye. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.